everyone. Welcome to episode two of our Connecting to People series. We're continuing our interview with Stephen Hoban, the Service Director of Commercial Services Group Recruitment Division. Last episode, we talked about networking, and there was some very invaluable information, so if you missed it, we highly recommend you go and listen now. However, we'll be moving on to the next chapter of our interview with Stephen, CVs. Not every job can be attained through a network that you create, or sometimes your connection may like you, but not know of your expertise and skills, so they may still ask for a CV. That being the case, to you, Stephen, what makes a good CV? Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right that even if the network came through and, you know, it's more likely that it would generate an opportunity rather than, oh, you know, Stephen, we get on so well on LinkedIn, could you just come and work for my company next Tuesday? So it's, it's more likely that it would connect you to an open vacancy or make you aware of some recruitment activity that an organisation was doing. But I would still expect that you would have to, you know, go through a process, a process of application via online or an, an inevitable at some point, unless it's a very rare occasion at some point, submitting a CV. So the question of what makes a good CV inevitably will come up. And this is this is a very tricky question in a few ways, in a sense that it's a really subjective concept, the CV, and in, in some ways a little bit you know, potentially outdated. And, and I suspect in the, over the next few years, automation will... May, may diminish the role of a CV, but right now the CV is still the stock and trade of looking for work. So to answer what makes a good CV, there's some there's some really basic stuff, I think, you know, we have wonderful tools available to us now with IT, but I still think in my experience, the best CVs aren't overcomplicated. They are concise. They are to the point. They aren't overly lengthy um i don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that you know anything longer than two pages is is a travesty but uh, certainly you know if, if you're very experienced you don't want to be putting together a 13 page cv to, um but i think the key thing if there was one factor what makes a good cv then it is directly relevant to the role that you're applying for and I think that that is key. I think more and more as we've moved to, or as the role of the recruiter, the recruitment agency has risen. And I suppose more recently online direct application to organizations through some sort of uh, portal or online application that doesn't involve speaking to a person, then the CV needs to be really honed to the actual vacancy you can create a a generic cv that i would call your starter for 10 if you like and this may form the foundation of the later more specific cvs that you apply to and it may be perfectly adequate to start those first conversations with with the agency that you're working for or the agency they want to apply for But it's important to recognise that when you're dealing through an agency or when you're dealing through an online portal, that it is absolutely key to be as relevant for that job as possible. If you have, for example, a certain skill set that this job asks for uh, or the agencies required on their advert, if it is tucked away in page four of your CV, then the chances are either through the time and attention that the recruiter will give it or 
some sort of semi-automated algorithm, that it's unlikely your CV will be pulled out for that that level of experience. So it's important to recognise the same as um, a, a word search and Google, you know, relies on certain algorithms to pull that web page to the top. The same happens with your CV. Most recruiters, I can't remember statistically what the industry says, but it's somewhere in the region of a recruiter's going to give your CV somewhere in the region of 10, 11 seconds of, of their time. And if they're not want of a better word, hooked or engaged or bought in to read further, then there's every chance that you, you, you won't progress past that stage. And similarly, you know, while some people may may argue that an internal recruiter who's an organ for an organization will do a more thorough job, even if you take that 10, 11 seconds and make it 20 seconds, you know, you're still only getting a little bit of someone's time to grab their attention. So to, to make a good CV, it needs to be tailor-made for the opportunity and specific to that opportunity. And that that is a good CV, in my view, anyway. Fantastic. Thank you. So following that advice, people have got a great idea of what they should be focusing on to make a good CV, at least in your mind. But when it comes to making their first CV, the starter 10 CV, as you said, the more generic one, do you have any advice on where to start when building that CV? There's many templates available if you just wanted to start. You've got a blank sheet of paper, you have no real idea how to start this. You haven't, you either haven't needed one for the 20 years of your career or you're just starting out and you really don't know where to start. And there's plenty of, of good templates available. But my key thing would be start with something simple. There's lots of templates out there that will have some sort of graphic overlay. They will either navigate everything down the left-hand side. They will navigate down the right. They will turn it almost into a PowerPoint, which, you know, if you're applying for a role as a graphic designer and your your potential audience wants to see creativity in work, absolutely they have their place. But for most people, most you know, standard employees, a CV that isn't going to cause somebody a huge amount of trouble in terms of opening through format or some uh, bespoke software would be a must. So you can't really do much wrong with Word, you know, standard Word document. Uh, I think also let's not get too creative with fonts. You know, it doesn't necessarily matter what font you choose, although I wouldn't, you know, necessarily be over a lot, but the standard ones would probably, in my view, work best. But certainly you might only want one font in your word. You know, you might want to use italics and bold for highlighting certain areas, but I'll stick with one font. And um, just to address size while we're on, um, the, the, there is a kind of mythology that two pages is the optimum CV. I think really for, for most people, other than people really starting their career. Very difficult to encapsulate all your experience on, on two pages. I think probably I would start to get a little bit wary or concerned if I was getting past four pages, but I think certainly somewhere between two and four is a very comfortable space for a CV, particularly for someone who is, you know, has been working for a number of years. Um, so you start off really 
quite simply, really. So, you know, you start off with name. Um, I wouldn't necessarily have education as the next thing, but what I may choose to do is in the top of the CV, perhaps under the name, I may mention certain really specific qualifications. So, f- for example, if somebody was a qualified accountant or uh, you're applying for an engineering job and somebody had, you know, the relevant engineering qualification, uh, or likewise, if you had maybe an MBA or something like that. But it would very be, you know, really abbreviated in terms of initial only, perhaps under the name. Then you may or may not want to put on your contact details. You may just want to include your number and email. I'm not really sure at this stage putting your address on. You know, it also helps protect your your identity, you know, your ID a little bit in terms of GDPR at that stage. But um then I'm a big fan of a profile area, and I'll, I'll, I'll come back, and if you can remind me, Joe, to talk a little bit more about the profile, because I think it, it's it's an important tool. Then, really, you work through your experience from most recent backwards. If you are relatively new to the job market and say you have 10 years work experience, then you may want to put every job on there. Well, you would want to put every job anyway, but you may want to have a descriptor for the last three roles you've had that have taken you 10 years. If you have been, find yourself, you know, have been employed for 25 or 30 years, then you may want to cover off the last one or two or the last 10 years work, depending on how many jobs are involved. And then after that, I think you can really just you don't really need a little much more than just a job title and, and the dates of, of the duration of that work. Um, I can't think off the top of my head, there may be some really specialist areas that you know people will be interested in your very early career. But I, I think really, if you've covered off your last 10 to 12 years, I think that's the experience that most employers are gonna be, are gonna be looking at. Um, and I think when you when you start to write down what it is you do, a good place to start is your job description. Of course, that's you know a nice little place to pull off some of the immediate tasks. But I think one thing that feeds into being specific is try to extend. Well, there's two things. So you're trying to be specific. So where you can be specific and quantifiable or qualifiable, I think. That, that is really important. So an example I would say there is you can put, you know, I manage a team, but there's a big difference between managing a team of two and managing a team of 55. So I would be specific. So you may want to say, you know, I have extensive man management experience. I currently manage five direct reports and indirectly 42 staff across three divisions. That's a more complete answer. Likewise, you may be involved in a program or a project to save money. So then if you can go on to say, you know, I implemented a new project to implement a new procurement system and that procurement system saved us 11.5% equating to 1.2 million pounds. Again, more specific. So when I started my career too long ago to, to mention, but one of the sales tools that we were taught as a, as a recruiter was an idea of what's called features and benefits. And I often, while I think redundant as a sales tool, I think it's always held its place while trying to put together a CV. So everything I write down or what I encourage others to write down on their CV, I think features and benefits. So the features are what you did. So if I use the man management example again, the feature is I, I manage a team. The benefit is what are the specifics 
and what is the potential benefit to the organization now sometimes there won't be a benefit per se and it will be a matter of fact statement as in i manage four four direct reports and 45 indirect reports but then there's other things that you might be able to extrapolate through to a benefit so an example would be um i have extensive experience of managing and motivating teams I manage a team of five people, five direct reports with 45 in-depth reports. And over the last two years, I have increased performance of that team by 5% and I've reduced staff turnover by 25%. So therefore you're now giving, whoever's viewing your CV, you're giving them a couple of things. You're giving them some real specifics that they can relate to their business, i.e., well, this job, manages 2000 people so is this person potentially at the level i need likewise well this job only manages one part-time administrator so again we might not be on par likewise if the job spec for example says one of the roles is to successfully lead and motivate teams then by adding those additional bits of information it really starts to bring that experience to life for the potential employer who can you know draw direct correlations between some of the things they're trying to achieve with this job whether that be an improvement in staff retention for example um, and, and it just sort of allows them to you know start to compare apples and apples rather than apples and an unknown so um, I'm not sure I've got a little bit off track there but I, I think that sort of you know detail when you start to put together is important rather than just perhaps write every little you know thing that's on your job description. Um, then you think you work through, obviously you give a little bit less um, time to roles that are further on and that's what will help keep you know the length of the CV down. Then towards the end, obviously, I think it's really important to have those qualifications on there. So you'd have your education piece and I think that's also a space that's you know, isn't just about your formal qualifications. I think it's really important to put other things on there that are qualifications, even if they're not relevant, even if they're not pure academic, for example. So uh, if you've completed things like Prince 2, or if you've completed managing successful programs or other more industry-specific qualifications or training courses. And then finally, and... <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm a little bit out of date here, but I, I do think the hobbies and interests area of a CV is still important. I think it adds, you know, a little bit of humanity to to what people do. It creates an area for, for common ground if you do, you know, move towards interview or certainly conversation with the agencies. Again, I would be very tempted not to go into war and peace and, and maybe, you know, people aren't too interested in, in things that you've done when you were 14, like your swimming badges or whatever. But, you know, people are probably interested to know if you, I don't know, are a black belt in a martial art or if you've completed a Duke of Edinburgh award or, you know, if, you, if you're if you an avid skydiver. I think these things are, are still important. Um, so I would follow that through. So to go back to the profile area. So, so the profile area for me is, is key. So there's a couple of reasons. I think one is it really helps with the idea of being able to tailor make your CV. So the profile area is where you would you would write down all your experience, but the profile area is maybe a, a paragraph, a couple of short paragraphs, or maybe even a couple of specific bullet points where you could really address 
some of the key areas that the job description is looking for. Or if you're just making that initial approach to uh, an agency, it's where you can really highlight some of your skills and experience. So it may start, for example, you know, um, Stephen is an experienced manager with over 20 years experience in the recruitment industry. Key strengths and experience include, and then you might have managing teams of up to 50 people plus across three geographies or EMEA or whatever you want to put on there. Then you might have, you know, extensive experience of driving sales performance. You might have extensive experience of managing large successful projects and programs, uh, including projects in excess of 12 million, whatever those details may be. And it allows basically to go back to that 10, 11 seconds you've got to get somebody to go, I want to read on. And that's where, if it's the first interaction with an agency, um, and I'm happy to discuss how different agencies work because you, you might pitch the CV slightly differently, but that first interaction, you're working to get the attention of an agency, there's no specific job, then really what it allows you to do is input four or five bullets, the key things that you'll be, that you think are what, what you are bringing to the market. If you're reacting to a job specifically from an agency, then you've got their job description. So, you know, the key things they're asking for in the first four or five bullet points of their job description, that's really where you'd want to be illustrating straight away that you have that experience. Example being, say it's an in-house talent acquisition role, and they may turn around and say, must have experience of managing uh, multiple talent acquisition professionals across Europe, Middle East and Africa. So if you've done that, then you would want your first bullet point to be extensive experience of managing talent acquisition teams globally. Okay, recruiters now thinking, well, tick one of the five boxes that I'm looking for. And then you work your way through the rest. Obviously, if you haven't got that skill, you can't do it and you might want to uh, put some skill on there that, or skill experience that you feel is comparable. You know, so um, an example might be, must have somebody who has uh, is Prince 2 qualified and you might turn out that you're not Prince 2 qualified, but you have got managing successful programs. So you would put on something that was comparable or related. You know, you might not be you might have a certain accountancy qualification, they might have asked for another one, but you know, that that's the sort of fail. The idea is essentially that, that profile area allows you something that you can tweak quickly so you can react to these different job scenarios without having to rework all of your CV. It's kind of more just bringing to the fore the experience that there is elsewhere in your CV, but bringing to the fore for the attention of, of the audience that you're submitting the CV for. Great, thank you. So it sounds like you're saying that the most important element of a CV is really the content, providing it's tailor-made to the employer and is relevant wherever it can be. You also touched on earlier that not many people include the hobbies and interests section of their CV anymore, and that's really quite an important way of humanising yourself in a CV. Arguably, you could say that it's a way of standing out against other potential competitors for a job. So would you say that there are many other ways that you can make your CV stand out from the others? Yeah, I think it does humanise you. Um, you know, it's... But there's, there's actually... I'll tell you what I think it's really important as well. I think it's really important for people who are entering the job market for the first time or, or 
you know, very early in their career. Because when when you think of a school leaver or even a graduate, for example, and they, you know, they may have experience that is in the dog and duck, or they may have, you know, worked in Iceland or any of those things, which is which is great. You know, that that showing you've had and committed to a job doesn't matter. They shouldn't think, oh well, you know, it's not I was only a shelf stacker. It's not about that. It's about showing that you held down an employed job for a period of time. But where they for whatever reason, either their studies or whatever, they haven't really done that then those interests and what they do can really stand out. So, for example, if you have somebody that has uh, achieved very well in a sporting field, um, it might be that they ended up playing at a high level football or table tennis or whatever. Uh, equally, someone I mentioned earlier, you know, someone who's completed the goal level of the Duke of Edinburgh Award or someone who's um, achieved a high level of a martial arts or someone who's been a scout leader, anything like that, that someone has sustained and committed to over a period of time speaks to what an employer would want. You know, everybody knows that to get a black belt in karate, isn't an overnight thing. It may have taken someone five, six, seven, ten years. Uh, everybody knows that you don't become a top sports person by, you know, not by lacking commitment and drive. And you don't get, again, you know, you don't get a Duke of Edinburgh award for, for going on a two-day course. So all of these things attest to somebody being able to commit to something that they're passionate about and stay the duration. And when you haven't got that work experience to fall back on, those things can be really, you know, they, they can almost do the same job. Um, I mean, I remember once when my very early recruitment career and I was speaking to a lady who, um, when I looked down, she was, she was customer service uh, individual, customer service advisor for a bank, actually. But I'll never forget the lady. I, was still, I can still remember her name, but I won't. It was probably about 24 years ago. But when I read through her CV and got to the interests, it turns out that she had competed in the Commonwealth Games and, you know, the list of accolades of British, regional British and international athletics was, was hugely impressive. And it turned out this lady you know, was starting to look to move her career forward because prior to that, she'd sacrificed, not sacrificed her career, but her employer had very kindly allowed her to have that time off to compete. And as her athletics career was coming to an end, she was keen to sort of move her, her work career forward. But I will never forget how impressive it was to see that. And you know that someone who can achieve that has a lot to bring in many ways. Um, so yeah, I think that that is another dimension of where the you know particularly for those that haven't got ten years work experience in their belt that they can really sell themselves if I use dare use the term sell yourself in that that in hobbies and interests area. That's brilliant. I can't say that I would forget an application from a professional athlete in a hurry either. You said earlier that you wanted to go over submitting your CV to an agency and how you can tailor it for them. So would you like to go over that now? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, one thing about the CV that everybody kind of needs to remember and bear in mind is that the danger is that you think your CV, your CV is selling you, of course it is, but when I keep mentioning relevance to the audience, there's no point selling X 
if the audience is looking for why, if you know what I mean. So kind of to some extent saying, well, I'm brilliant at this. I'm brilliant at football. It's only good if the person you're speaking to is looking for a football. If they're looking for a rugby player, it doesn't really do you any favours, which is why you need to be relevant. But also, I think it is important to understand that the role of agencies as well. So one of the things that I've heard many, many times over the years is, you know, the agency I work with are no good. They never get back to me. Um, and, and all of these things might be true. You know, agencies like everywhere else have some some good and bad recruiters. They have some better or could be improved practices and services. But I think it is really important to recognise that agencies are there to find the talent for the clients that pay them. So in many ways, I've always thought it's often forgotten that for mo- in most instances, it's, a perf- it's an absolutely free service for the candidate. So the client pays the recruiter to find good candidates. And that's not to say it would be in any recruiter's interest not to give candidates a very good service because if they're not right for this particular job, they might still be right for another job and also they'll speak to other people for various other reasons. But it is important to look at their role because if you were working from an agency that if you're a if you're an entry level or in the early part of your career and you're submitting your CV through uh, job portals, whether it be Read or Indeed or whatever, and they're going to an advert that uh, has been posted by an agency, then that recruiter is probably, probably focused entirely on finding exactly what he needs to send to that client to fill the job to earn his commission. So he probably is going to be quite brutal, he or she is going to be quite brutal in terms of ticking off the five boxes or whatever that the client said they need, going back to the relevance of highlighting these. But you can also expect that if it's if you work in a sector, for example, where there's very high volume of applicants and you haven't taken the time to try and grab their attention, then you probably won't get a call back uh, because they just don't have the time. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that that's what it is. When you go about engaging with the agency a different way, which is trying to speak to an individual and explain to them that, you know, you're not you're not applying for this particular job, but you want to have a conversation with them generally about how you can help or how they can help you, then you can enter into more of a relationship with the agency. So they're now thinking about multiple jobs that you might be applicable for. And now they've had a conversation where you've had that opportunity to bring your experience to life and talk about what sort of things, you know, might be relevant, your geographic limitations, your salary limitations. And now you're, you're, kind of better consultant is now thinking about you potentially for all the roles that come through their desk that might be relevant to them. Now, this may reflect some experience of the level of experience of the agency and also what sort of sector they work in. So the, you might find, for example, if they work in a very high turnover, temporary, industrial, white, blue-collar setting, that they, they, they're not interested in having a chat with you because what they do is they put, they just find X's and they put X's in front of their boss and they keep doing it. 
And I suspect, you know, if you really want to be serious about your career, those places, those suppliers, agencies, whatever you want to call them, they have their place, which is, you know, send your CV if you see an applicant or, or a job you're interested in. But kind of don't expect to hear back unless they're interested. The next level is obviously those that do want to engage in your com- a conversation with you, understand what you're looking for, want to work in partnership with you. Now, you still might get, well, you know, they might not be in touch every week. Um, they probably say they will, but they might not be because they get distracted. But you're more likely still to be on their radar. And you can take a little bit of ownership by not necessarily hounding them, but maybe fortnightly or whatever, touching base and saying, you know, hi, Mr. Recruiter. I can remember we spoke about fortnight ago. I just want to remind you my circumstances are still the same. And then as your career progresses, you can start to move up into what is an entirely different sort of level of consultant where you start to get into the realms of, uh, you know, exec search or senior level appointments. And nine times out of 10, they, they are really happy to engage even without a job spec in front of them because the best ones are always looking to make relationships with talent in the market and you know life is changing for recruiters now because certainly right now applications are lower than ever post post brexit post covid you know the great resignation whatever you want to call it so they really do need to engage with talent even when you know that talent might not be exactly what they have a job for right now, but they their, their relationship is changing. But you you know you need to be speaking to that more. I hate to use the word professional because that's I'm not meaning to imply the others aren't, but that you, you need to be speaking to the agencies that are working in that space and want to work in partnership with the candidates they represent. And there are some agents out there that you just have to recognise are posting jobs and trying to fill jobs. And your approach to the market. And when you go back to what we said about networking and all that sort of stuff, then your approach to the market to look for work is a blended approach across all of those platforms. So I apply to these jobs every day, blah, blah, blah. I kind of know I might not hear back, but I think I'm a good match for them. The caveat I would say is please do be a good match. You know, you don't expect to hear back if you'd have applied to be an astronaut and you're not an astronaut. But, you know, if you basically have applied for genuine roles, you might hear back, but you kind of mentally say to yourself, I probably won't hear from them unless they're interested. Then there's the next tier that you say, right, well, I want to have some conversations. I don't want to speak to every agency, but I want to you know, do a bit of research. I want to find the three or four good agencies that either work in my specific industry or they've got a good brand reputation in the marketplace. And then you have a different type of conversation. And if you're at the right level of seniority, then that's when you can say, well, actually, I'm going to pick one or two executive partners that are going to go away and actually speak to some people on my behalf, where they know there might be movement in that organization, but the job hasn't come out yet. Because you've got to remember in the job market, there's a huge amount of jobs. Never, never see an agency, you know, never come to an agency or even see the light of day because they're either filled internally or they're conceptual in nature that the manager, you know, is talking, he's maybe thinking about a change to his department, but he hasn't formally done it yet. And that's where those better relationships with agencies, they'll know their markets, they'll know which of their organisations are about to go through a relocation or a change that might prove to be relevant for you. So, uh, you know, I think if you just perhaps want to have a better experience of agencies, you just perhaps need to recognise what, which of those level of agencies store consultants you're speaking to. And then you get less frustrated because you're not, you know, you're not hearing back all the time. Amazing. Thank you. Just a final question from me on the CV section. 
Are there any serious do's or don'ts for when building your CV? The do's, are, as I mentioned, which is, you know, be, be concise, be specific, be quantifiable and qualifiable where you can. Um, the don'ts, I think, you know, yes, you can be a little bit looser in, in maybe your uh, hobbies area, but don't, don't try and bring comedy into your CV. You know, um, uh, jokes might be, you know, funny, funny at home but they don't necessarily translate to, to a CV uh, one of which I will cover off and I'm, I'm going to be a bit on the fence here um, is, is pictures so I, I don't like pictures on CVs um, I think with the best will in the world it does allow people to make assumptions about you rightly or wrongly based on what you look like which I certainly think people shouldn't be doing but also culturally there's, uh, there's there's a number of countries in in the world where I think they are very much told that a, a, a picture is part of your CV but I'm not really sure culturally and historically in in Britain that we like CVs with with pictures on um am I categorically calling it a don't maybe not but you know, I, I just think it allows people, if, if you look at a world where we're trying to move away from bias and unconscious bias and ageism and, and you know, promote diversity and inclusion and all of those things, I'm not really sure there's a, there's a place for your picture in there that will allow, rightly or wrongly, people to make those, those assumptions about you. Uh, so for me, it's don't. There might be many other people look diff, you know view, view it very differently um i think the other thing is is and it, this is difficult and this is an area i think people do need to get barriers is, is don't ramble you know um a lot of people again this is an area of subjectivity here you know I, i'm a big fan of short paragraphs with bullet points some other people i think it becomes very difficult if people write their cvs in paragraph after paragraph after paragraph with no kind of difference in emphasis no use of bullet points no use of specific things you know it just becomes like, like reading a novel and i think most human beings the best one in the world switch off after a couple of paragraphs of, of reading what somebody else thinks is really important um so that's a, that's about it really i think you know so if i was ready to bullet point that i think do's be be concise be specific be quantifiable and qualifiable uh, most of all be relevant don't try not to go above four pages don't include your picture and use bullet points to break up paragraphs and emphasize key skills and experience. The jury is out on the picture one. I might get lynched for that. <laughs> you know, I might feel very differently if I look like Brad Pitt, but as I don't, I have a different view. Well, you always look like Brad Pitt in my eyes, Stephen. Anyway, that's all we have for this week for CVs, so make sure to come next week. We'll be discussing standing out of the crowd. See you then, and make sure to tune in at the end of the month to hear the full unedited interview.